From Philadelphia Young Playwrights, this is Mouthful. I'm Trine Nuri. Every week, we'll be having a complicated conversation with a young person about the things that matter to them, things that they have written about and shared on stages across the city. And then we'll go out into the community and talk to teens, adults, experts, anyone who can broaden the conversation. There comes a time when we all experience puberty. Some of us get that big red zit right on our forehead, grow taller overnight, or notice our voice changing. And some of us get breasts, hips, and periods. All of these experiences are rites of passage into adulthood, whether we're ready or not. But does puberty have to be such a scary period of our lives? What? Like, what? what's going on? Like, what, why, why is this happening? That's Culture Zabiku. Her monologue, The Initiation, is the inspiration for today's complicated conversation about puberty, and specifically periods. Then I call my mom. I'm like, Mom, I don't know what's happening. I, I think I'm dying. <laughs> Let's listen to The Initiation, performed by Donovan Lockett, live at the 2018 Mouthful Monologue Festival. Discoveries. 
tampons are. <laughs> no. You know, I think I heard they're painful and go kind of, you know, up there. Besides, can you imagine me telling my dad to buy a box at the grocery store? He'll be all like, you're growing up way too fast, mom! It's really embarrassing to think about. I think I'll hold off on the tampon discoveries for now. Oh, I really want Ronnie's curves. All the boys in my grade compliment her, and she goes out with high schoolers every Friday night. Well, not Friday nights consist of, of binge-watching Full House and, and eating an entire pint of Ben and Jerry's chocolate chip cookie dough by myself. She is oh, living the life all because of her stupid period. You know what? I don't care anymore. I am 90 pounds of pure woman. And I don't need something as, as scary and miserable as blood. Yeah, I said it. Blood is miserable. It represents death. And I don't want to die. Oh my gosh. What if girls die and are secretly revived when they first get their periods? Google that later. Yeah, I think me not having my period is, is honestly for the best. Well, I have a red one. Oh, um, it's probably just my dad messing up the laundry load again. <laughs> what? What's funny? Stop laughing, Ronnie. God damn it, just tell me. I had my what? that I wanted to write, I thought about the fact that I was a girl and the most prevalent thing that happens to every girl is getting her period. And I thought like I'd add a little funny twist to it. Mouthful producer Mitchell Bloom and I sat down with Culture at the Philadelphia Young Playwrights offices to talk about her monologue. Girls, they try to keep it really quiet, like, hey, like, I'm on my period, like, can you slide a tampon? And it's always, like, that little, like, hand motion when, like, you grab a, your friend's tampon and, like, shove it in your bag so no one can see it. What was your experience, if you feel comfortable talking about it, mm -hmm. when you saw your first tampon? So my mom didn't know that I saw my first tampon. <laughs> um, I was going to a winter ball dance at middle school in eighth grade. And I was on my period that week, and I'm like, oh man, I, I can't dance while I have a pad on. It's just impossible. You can't do that. So I 
snuck a tampon out of um, the the little drawer where you, the girls always like keep their stuff in. And I snuck one in and I, I went on YouTube. I did go on YouTube. I'm like, how to insert a tampon. <laughs> and it, it, it was it was a funny process. It definitely took more than once to try it out. Um, yeah, it was difficult, but you know, you get the hang of it eventually. Why did you not tell your mom? Uh, I don't know. I, I thought it was like forbidden in a sense because like you're putting something in your private parts and um i know in cultures like that's really looked down upon especially like before marriage like you're not supposed to touch that region and um i think girls are pressured into like not talking about their experiences with their with with their girl parts you know so Let's talk about your background. Mm-hmm. Um, where's your family from? Uh, my family's from Albania. I was born there, and I came here when I was around four. So, conversations about your body, sex, were they forbidden in the house? No. When I, um, when I first got my period, my mom did have that sit-down talk with me. It was a really open and honest conversation with her. It was anything awkward. When did you learn about periods? It was in sixth grade in a health class, which is very important. I think health classes should be had in every single school. Now, were you separated from, like, were the boys and girls separated during this health class? No, um, it was co-ed. And I I think that's, it's really important to have because you want the guys to know, like, hey, this is a natural function that that's happening to women and you shouldn't get grossed out by it. I know, like... Guys are really immature about this topic, especially when they're in middle school. I think I was in, like, fifth grade, maybe, but it was not co-ed. They literally, like, chose a day, took the boys down here and the Mm -hmm. girls up here, and literally were like, you're going to grow hair, 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 and hair, start wearing deodorant, and then we played dodgeball. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. And then, like, but then I remember, like, coming back together, and the girls were kind of like, oh, man, we talked about all, like, it It was clear to us that it was a much more serious conversation <laughs> that they had, or whatever, and it was kind of just, like, the opposite of what you're saying, of, like, they, they treated it like we didn't need to know or be concerned what's going on with the girls in class. Let's play dodgeball. What do you hope audiences take away from your monologue? I hope they can, especially guys, they can just take away that girls, when they're going through puberty, it's much different. Then when they go through it, I think girls are become very jealous of their other peers for reaching a sense of maturity. I think that getting your period also allows a girl to openly talk about, you know, women things like heels and makeup and things that are are classified for women and not for just kids um do you ever have these conversations with your male peers i never really thought about talking about my period with a guy if it did it came out naturally like oh my god like these cramps are killing me type of thing and now my peers my guy peers are not awkward about it i think they're well educated especially in our school system some people argue that feminine hygiene products 
are not accessible to certain demographics or they tend to be really expensive. What are your thoughts on that? I, I really think taxation should be taken out of feminine hygiene products because like it's not our choice. It happens. This is our natural body and I don't think we should be taxed for just living and breathing. Is your choice to sit down and write this and share it something that you feel now or even before writing it? Is it advocacy or is it just something that's... I, it didn't start out as advocacy. It just started out as me, a young girl, thinking, hey, periods are really funny. So I'm going to write about periods. But like now going through this process and talking about it more around people I have never met before, I th- it, it does feel very empowering. I, I That wasn't my goal, but it's it's great that people are looking into it as that. I'm good, I'm good, how are you? Good, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, I'm trying to plug my phone in right now. Okay. Meet Nadia Okamoto. She's a social entrepreneur and activist. Okay, I think I'm good. Ask me whatever, I'm a total open book on this. At 17, she created Period, an organization that provides feminine hygiene products to those in need. Since then, Nadia has become a leader in the menstrual movement. She's given a TED Talk all about it. She was named 21 Under 21 by Teen Vogue, chatted with Hillary Clinton, and was featured on MTV. Oh, and I can't forget, Nadia ran for Cambridge, Massachusetts City Council at the age of 19. Nadia gave us a call through Skype from Harvard, where she's currently a student. So let's get some of your reactions to the monologue, The Initiation. Tell us a little bit about what you were feeling or you thought of or you could relate to when you read this piece. So um, my first reaction is like I just started laughing because, and this is a story I tell often, but I was one of those menstruators who got out of gym class like every gym session for all of middle school with all of my friends right um and I sort of tell this story often but like in middle school my friends and I we would alternate saying who was on our period and our gym teacher would get so uncomfortable by the mere mention of menstruation that he would just be like okay okay you guys go do it go deal with it so like eight of us would get out of class because apparently we all had to help each other <laughs> like with our tampons um <laughs> And I think it's the reason I tell that story often is because I think it's just so exemplary of the fact of like how the stigma around menstruation um, creates this sort of um, environment where uh, girls specifically are just sort of discounted for capabilities um, because of their period. Right. And so when I read this um, in this play, it reminded me of that those moments, because I think something that every menstruator can relate to is that understanding, this underlying understanding that it is a societal assumption that one is like less capable um, when they're menstruating, right? And I think that by bringing it up in conversations like in this monologue, um, it's so important to acknowledge that and why we need to change it. And then later on, I think what really resonated with me was sort of like that experience of getting your first period, right? Like I think that the understanding that your menstruation and menarche specifically, which is um, the first period, is more than just this biological phenomenon, but it's the social phenomenon of like symbolizing maturity and growing up and this whole role of um, puberty that's coming up um, ahead of you as well. You mentioned before that 
there are these uncomfortable conversations about menstruation. So when should we talk to students about periods? Um, I think it definitely varies in terms of like, I think everyone has a different answer to this. I personally think that people should start talking about periods, um, around like, like pretty like middle to, um, fourth and fifth grade of elementary school, you know, um, because I think that's an age before anyone has gotten their period. And I think it's really important to have these discussions before people start hitting puberty, um, in the classroom. And I think that, uh, one of the things that I really try to push forward as, um, a voice in the menstrual movement, but also with my organization is this idea of like, this should be taught in school, um, along with comprehensive sex ed, um, because it's part of understanding bodies and empathizing with each other's bodies. Um, and it's a very natural part of growing up. Can you just tell our audience again why you created your organization, period? Uh, My passion for periods comes from a really personal place. Um, When I was a freshman and sophomore in high school, my family experienced living without a a home of our own. And um, that was an experience that I think really uh, pushed me to a deeper understanding of privilege as a spectrum because in many parts of my life and realizing, you know, I had no permanent address and had to mark that on school forms and, um, you know, lie to my friends about where I was staying, but, um, uh, made me feel very, uh, like a lack of privilege at the same time though. During that time, I had a lot of conversations with homeless women in much worse living situations than I was, um, who gave me sort of a privilege check in realizing that at the same time my family was sort of facing this adversity, we were also very blessed because I had a family, I had access to school, no matter what my mom made sure we had a roof over our heads. Um, And I think that uh, that understanding of wanting to reconcile the privilege I did have um, is what really pushed me to be passionate about public service. at the same time, um, hearing the stories of these homeless women and using toilet paper, socks, brown paper, grocery bags, and like cardboard, literal trash that they found to absorb their menstrual blood is um, was a big wake up call for me in realizing like this is such an unaddressed natural need that people don't think about really at all. Has your work changed in the last year or so with the whole Me Too movement and just the political climate that we're in? Has it changed at all? I think that it's changed in the way of people are more, there's a, a bigger sense of urgency to talk about women's issues. Um, and also I think what's been interesting is I'm very open about my experience with sexual assault and um, domestic violence. Like those are really big parts of my story as well. And I think that because I've been so open about it and I'm open about talking about periods, um, there's been a lot more attention and t- uh, attention um, to my organization um, as we have more people open up about that, uh, those discussions within our chapter network. So let's talk about criticism. Wh- what are some things that people say that are criticizing of your movement? Um, I don't know if it's, I mean, in terms of like the menstrual movement overall, we do get comments like, how is this more needed than hunger? Or um, no, this isn't needed because it doesn't affect the whole population since only, you know, like the majority understanding is that only women menstruate. Um, Like, I think that there's a lot of criticisms on, like, how this could be uh, a a priority. And my answer to that is, like, I truly believe that addressing menstruation is a a very fundamental thing we need to fight for in terms of equal opportunity, but also the idea of, like, acknowledging men and women as having equal potential as well. Um, Or if not, not equal, but, like, separate, equally powerful potential. I was just listening to the segment that MTV did with you and you said something that 
is going to stick with me for a while. You, you said um, you, you wish there would be a shift in a narrative from asking young people what they want to be when they grow up to what do you want to be now and what impact do you want to make now? For example, yeah, and I think that, like, that's, it's such an easy trap to fall into, right? Because, like, I mean, the way our system is set up in terms of, like, advancing in education and employment, it's like, okay, you're going to be in school, you're going to do high school so you can fit these standards of success to get into college, right? And I think I constantly am guilty of asking myself, you know, what's my big goal? Where, where, where am I going? What am I doing to move forward? And how am I going to achieve my big dream, right? I'm not saying, like, let's no longer ask people what their dream is. I'm saying, yes, let's ask people what their dream is, but don't do everything to get there eventually or to train for it. But say like, what do you want to, what do you want to be now? And how does that fit into your like larger big picture goal? Right. And I think that that's something I really want to stress to young people is like, it's like figure out what you're passionate about now and figure out who you want to be and what you, what impact you want to have now. And yeah, I mean, it's good to think about how that fits into your like bigger picture of in the future when you look back at your youth to say like, this is what I accomplished and, and what impact I had. If you want to learn more about period or how to start a chapter in your school, go to period.org. Puberty and periods, something we don't always discuss, right, Mitchell? Yeah, Trine, I feel like from the moment we started talking about this monologue, everyone had a story to share. I got my period around my ninth grade dance, and I was, like, so scared. Uh, My mom taught me how to use a tampon, and I was just like... And she also freaked me out a little bit because she's like, oh, now you can have babies. Oof. And I was like, oh, gosh, mom. Just, just in time for the dance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks to Culture and Nadia for the conversations. Make sure you check out Nadia's web series called Nadia Talks. If you're up for it, we would love to hear your most memorable puberty memory. Send us a tweet at Mouthful Philly. I'm Trine Nuri. Thanks for listening. Mouthful is produced by Lisa Nelson-Haynes, Trine Nuri, and Mitchell Bloom, that's me, for Philadelphia Young Playwrights. PYP is an arts education nonprofit that taps the potential of youth and inspires learning through playwriting. Mouthful is edited by yours truly. Original music for Mouthful was created by Ill Dutes. To join the Ill Movement, head on over to illdutes.com. That's I-L-L-D-O-O-T-S dot com. For episode extras and more information, visit mouthfulpodcastphilly.com. That's mouthfulpodcastphilly.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Bonus points if you write a review. Mouthful is a production of Philadelphia Young Playwrights. Puberty.